Good day. You're listening to Free City Radio on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. It is Wednesday, the 20th of October. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, I'm Stefan Christoph here in Montreal. Today on the program, we are going to be hearing from longtime Indigenous land rights activist and artist Ellen Gabriel. Ellen speaks about a really important and underreported issue that is facing uh, Ganetsetagi land reserve. It is the role of GNR uh, Construction Company. Uh, they have been uh, working in violation of Indigenous land rights uh, to use a portion of the Ganetsetagi land reserve to dump materials. Uh, there's a website that has been set up called reconciliation.org. Um, and on the website, uh, it uh, outlines that, quote, GNR has breached numerous permit conditions and continues to leak dangerous materials into the surrounding environment. In spite of this, both federal and provincial governments have not taken action to remedy the situation and remove threats to the people and wildlife. And um, that is from the website reconciliaction.org. Um, so basically this dump site, uh, corporate dump site, uh, that has been covered by uh, the Eastern Door, which I would encourage people to look up, an important uh, newspaper in Ganesatagi, it has about 15 times the amount of materials that it was uh, allowed to hold. But Ellen speaks about this um, waste dump on the Ganesatagi land reserve in the context of thinking about the ways that indigenous lands are violated in a systemic way. We hear a critique of the whole rhetoric about reconciliation um, when it's void of directly addressing the land right um, struggles um, that continue uh, on a daily basis for many Indigenous communities. So this is my conversation with Ellen Gabriel here on Free City Radio, and I'll just uh, leave it to you uh, to hear this exchange on CKUT 90.3 FM. I'm joined by Ellen Gabriel, um, who is a longtime Indigenous land rights activist um, and has made huge efforts over the years to communicate the struggles uh, in Kanasatagi with uh, people around the world. Um, right now, uh, there is, of course, ongoing struggles around land rights and specifically the ways that both the provincial and federal governments haven't been taking action to uh, address uh, particularly uh, waste management dump uh, that has been created uh, within the kind of Satagi land reserve. Uh, but more generally, this speaks to a more systemic uh, issue about the um, broader land rights of Ganesatagi and of course of indigenous people more generally. Um, well, hi, Ellen, thank you for, for joining us today. And if you could, could maybe just share a bit, um, maybe just first big picture um, about um, you know, all this discourse around reconciliation um, and how that is playing out in your community or not playing out. Mm. Uh, Stefan. Uh, yeah, I, thank you for inviting me to be on your show. 
Yeah, the R word is something that I really don't like to even say because it's such a watered down um, buzzword. There is no reconciliation. And, you know, this the liberals got in as the Canadian government again. And there's, uh, you know, we have the same players that are in there. Uh, it's a corrupt system. It has been for centuries uh, to deny Indigenous people of our rights to our land. And, um, you know, imagine someone coming into your home as a guest and they decide, okay, now prove that it's, this is your home. I'm taking it over, right? This is, this is my stuff, and uh, we're going to play by my rules. And that's, that's what colonialism essentially is, is a way to eliminate people, whether physically, as they did with the Indian Residential School, uh, and the continuation of land dispossession. We see that right across Canada, and in Ganesadaga, we're no exception. I, I, I think we've lost more land since 1990, uh, rather than gaining more land. And so it's really uh, frustrating. It's very frustrating because we have to, we are forced, um, you know, people talk about peaceful protests. We are always the peaceful ones. It is the racists, like we have in Oka, and it is uh, people within the police force, the authorities, um, who are implementing laws that are, you know, the UN has condemned um, these doctrines of superiority. You know, so the authorities are implementing racist doctrines when they violate Indigenous people. And nobody seems to really realize that. They just say, oh, this is Canada. These are the laws. And Indigenous people are still a problem, as Duncan Campbell Scott and Sir Johnny MacDonald called us. So nothing's really changed. Uh, not in my community. In fact, it's the other... The, it's a very complex issue, but... You know, people still go to the band council and think that, you know, non-indigenous, I'll talk about non-indigenous people. And it's like, here's the chief. It's like, no, he's, he's the chief according to Canada's colonial structures and creations. He's not a chief according to our traditions and indigenous laws. Um, but yet they still defer to them. And we're sort of like the, the small marginalized uh, group in our communities and our nations who don't accept, you know, the authority of government. And uh, we're always viewed as, um, or we're, there's a misconception about who we are and what we want, I guess. So you, Ellen, you mentioned since 1990. And uh, I mean, that's such an important moment, but I think often there's this sense that, um, you know, sort of historical moments like that sort of are static and not ongoing. I mean, obviously all the issues that were raised in 1990 continue today. What's the importance of um, <laughs> thinking about that as an ongoing struggle? Um, and, and also just because so much outside attention was focused and is continually focused on that moment, but maybe not on the broader ongoing process um, of colonization and how it affects Gunasatagi. Yeah, people are really influenced by the media culture, you know, the mainstream media and how it depicts any kind of stories. But for us in particular, the, um, you know, there was horrible things that were going on and, and people were angry at their government. And, I, and I'm really grateful to that. But, you know, I was in the courts for five years after. And 
the land issue has never been resolved. This is a 300-year-old land issue, and it continues to persist simply because Canada's version is what you know, those, the evil seminary of St. Sulpice have continued to regurgitate, which is, we brought them there. It's like, you know, there were already Ganyatahaga people living here, and they brought Christian Mohawks, Algonquins, and Nipissings here. And um, they lost their grant that, that King Louis XIV gave them because they were not successful in Christianizing the people here. So all, all of this is like, um, is rooted in history, and we aren't able to clear that off the table. We still need to jump through all the hoops that the government has. You know, there's, there's, um, it's like we're the entertainment, uh, and whenever there's anything about us, it's negative. They don't, the you know, media doesn't really cover the positive stuff. Uh, but all this to say that this community has been suffering for for 300 years, but in the last 31 years, we've been suffering a lot um, because of the conflict that the government contributes to in this community, in siding with certain individuals and turning a blind eye to them so that there are creations uh, like a toxic waste dump. There are creations of uh, corruption by the bank council, like Serge Simon, who signed a 33-year lease for this without consulting the people in this community. And all divisions aside, if we take that issue out though, um, there's still no excuse for people to continue to take our land like Gregor Gola, who continued to sell land in spite of issuing, get, being issued a lawyer's letter to stop selling land. His gift was really on the condition that we allow him to sell more land. So that's not a gift. So there's a lot of stuff that's that has happened over the years, and we just we are paying for that. It's high stress, you know, with the marijuana industry, um, people coming in, um, being disrespectful to the people in this community. During a pandemic, people were still coming in to buy marijuana when they were told to stay at home. And it's because it's like this is their playground and they can abuse not only the land but the people in it. So it's layer upon layer of stress and dysfunction for the people in this community. And it's, um, it's not going away. It's, and there seems to be, you know, I, I always like to have hope because I think we need to have hope for the children and for the babies and even for the elders who, who lived in poverty when they were growing up. Um, but sometimes it's really hard to see that through the density of, of the dysfunction that's colonialism. Thank you for sharing all that, Ellen. I guess the last point, I, I realize that your time is quite limited today, um, is to just uh, highlight um, some activist allies um, in support of Ganesatagi land uh, rights and land reserves specifically um, have put out a website um, that people can find at reconciliation.org. Um, it brings up this um, issue of a waste material dump um, on the land reserve. Can you highlight this uh, a bit and highlight why uh, people should uh, pay attention to the information that's being shared and how it speaks to these broader systemic issues that you've, you've talked about? Yeah, it's called Reconciliation. And 
I think we wanted to put the word silly in there, you know, is it literally silly? Because <laughs> that's what this is, this is what this whole process has been. It's really silly. Um, but um, the the broader issue, like this is a representation of the 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 success of assimilation um, policies in in certain indigenous people who just don't care about the land. They're not thinking about the seven generations to come, which is part of our laws. And so um, I blame Montreal. I blame uh, the, the, the urban centers around Montreal uh, for coming here to dump uh, their old infrastructure on prime agricultural land, uh, raw sewage, um, the fact that Nobody was able to stop them in the community and the, the band council turned a blind eye. The government of Quebec and Canada turned a blind eye to the fact that even though their permits were revoked, they continued to dump. And um, the fact that they took so much land, um, I think at least triple the amount of land that they were supposed to take. Uh, it, it goes, it speaks to the corruption that is colonialism. It speaks to the corruption that if you play ball, uh, we'll let you do anything you want. And I find that sickening. Uh, I find uh, the way Canada and Quebec and Oka have treated us uh, is in, in my eyes evil uh, because we, we are meant to feel like we don't matter and we're disposable. Uh, this toxic waste dump is also near the uh, five farmers family, Quebecois farmers, and they are impacted uh, by the contamination to the soil and the water. Um, it's going to take a long time before that land is usable. And I think it really is disturbing in the sense that we have fought for the land. We have we see that the earth is our mother and to see our mother being treated this way um, to me not only speaks to the level of assimilation but it speaks to the level of corruption and the degree of assimilation that's happening in a lot of communities it speaks to the fact that we don't matter and uh you know i i hesitate to use any kind of reconciliation because there is none it's always jumping through the hoops of Canada and Quebec. And at the end of the day, they say, look what we're doing for Indigenous people. Well, I invite people to come and see what they've done for Indigenous people through the GNR uh, dump. Um, there is, there's probably a lot of reasons why, but, you know, without an economy in our communities, because we can't turn around sideways and the government's like, no, you can't do that. Um, I understand. I understand sometimes. I, I try to understand anyways, what would possess somebody to do something like this, something um, as terrible as this dump in our community while the government watches and, you know, with, with a straight face says to its citizens that we care about indigenous people. They're the most important relationship. And yet the violence perpetrated against us and the land um, sort of contradicts that. So this is, this is why I think it's really important for people, not just to, you know, to, to 
be outraged during an election, that these are the issues that they want, but to continue that pressure and to continue to hold their governments, whether they're municipal, provincial, or federal, to the human rights standards that are, are at the UN, uh, not just the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, but all of those, the rights of the child, the rights of the environment, the rights of uh, just human rights. Uh, because Canada and Quebec and, and everybody is violating it. We should, we should be working together on issues like climate change. We should be working together to make sure that people are treated with respect. And um, it seems that money rules. If you have money, you can have justice. If you have money, uh, you can find people to promote your agenda, which is part of the tools of colonization. And I, you know, we may be colonized, but so are Canadians. So are Quebecers. Um, and we, we want to have education. We want to change the education system. There's a lot of resistance from Canada and Quebec to include just the, the residential schools, like an in-depth uh, teaching of the Indian residential schools. Um, because for me, all these land acknowledgements are hollow. They don't mean anything to me uh, because after all this time, there is no change. There is actually uh, an increase in the amount of violence and pressure perpetrated against Indigenous people. Ellen, thank you so much for, for speaking with us today about the broader issues and this project, uh, giving some context to this project that's being released, reconciliaction.org. Um, um, we'll share the link. Um, thank you again. Thank you, Stefan. That was a conversation with longtime Indigenous activist Ellen Gabriel. This is Free City Radio broadcasting on Wednesday, the 20th of October. Um, that interview is surrounding um, the uh, opposition to a construction waste material dump on the Ganesatagi Land Reserve. I'd really encourage people to listen to the uh, the voices that have been uh, protesting, researching, and sharing information about this underreported issue. Um, the website is reconciliaction.org, um, and you can look that up. Thank you so much to Ellen Gabriel for being on the program today. And uh, to finish the um, program today, I'll go to a piece of music uh, from Samantha Crane. The piece is When We Remain, and I want to thank uh, my friend Gerard Martineau uh, for directing me to this uh, beautiful artist. Um, this is actually from a mix that I worked on with Gerard for Radio Hara in Palestine. Um, I encourage people to look up that mix and others that I've uh, worked on with friends uh, for Radio Hara um, in Palestine. Um, you can find all those mixes on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash freecityradio, and also the archives for this radio program. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, this is a piece of music you'll hear from Samantha Crane, and uh, this is Free City Radio. I share a new episode every Wednesday. Um, thanks for being with us today, and thanks again to Ellen Gabriel for being part of the program. And... Um, you can stay tuned to CKUT for the F-Files uh, that is coming up next uh, here on the station. 
Uh, CKUT, of course, broadcasts at www.ckut.ca. Uh, you can check out um, our online stream. And uh, also, last thing I'll mention is that uh, Free City Radio is also a podcast. Uh, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts. We come out with a new edition every Tuesday. Finally, thank you to Louis Ramirez um, for your um, organizational support on the program today. Um, and I'll talk to you all next week and take care.
Mm-hmm.